Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. We all have room for improvement, so there is no judgment or guilt or shame here. We all are a work in process, myself most definitely included, but the more that we are in God's word, the more that it transforms us from the inside out as we learn who God is and who we are to be in him. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. So does reading the Bible excite you or intimidate you? Is it something you look forward to or something you feel obligated to do? Truthfully, I have felt all of those things about reading the Bible. I've been intimidated, not quite knowing where to start. But after learning some strategies for digging into God's word, I've been excited and couldn't wait to dig into my reading. And yet there have been other seasons where my Bible reading has felt like an obligation. That roller coaster of emotions is why I'm excited about today's conversation with Brittany Ann. Brittany Ann is the founder of EquippingGodlyWomen.com where she challenges, encourages, and equips Christian women to be all in in faith and family. She's the author of a brand new book, Fall in Love with God's Word, Practical Strategies for Busy Women. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Brittany Ann. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for today's conversation. Absolutely. So one of the things that I've really learned is that every book has a story behind it. So what I'd really love to know is what's your story that caused you to want to write this book? Well, it all started a couple of years ago when I came across a statistic online that said that 59% of Americans wanted to read their Bibles more often, but only 31% of Americans read their Bible on at least a weekly basis. So a few people read it more often than that, 60, some 4% of people don't read their Bible at all. But the main idea is people wanted to read their Bible but we're not doing it for whatever reason. And this was something that I could completely relate to myself as a new mom with little ones at home. I wanted to spend time in God's word. I knew it was important. I knew it was something that I needed to prioritize. And yet for whatever reason, it just wasn't happening. So a few years ago, I challenged myself to say, okay, we're going to make this a priority. I know this is important. What do I need to do to make sure that this is something that happens in my life and not in some way that's unrealistic that I couldn't do, but something that I could do as a busy mom. And over the last couple of years, I've kind of made it my mission to help other busy moms as well to prioritize this time in God's word, even in the midst of a crazy busy season with work or family or whatever that looks like. What are the practical strategies for how we can have this time that we want to have, but the 
that isn't always easy to make a priority. Mm, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So you talk in your book about five misconceptions that prevent us from loving God's word. And those really hold us back from digging into it, right? So I think sometimes I want to get to those practical strategies because I think that they are super important. But I really want to start with where our thinking gets us off base. What are those misconceptions that kind of keep us out of God's word? And that's a great question and a great place to start because you would think that it would be so easy to say, okay, I want to read my Bible. So I'm just going to set this time aside and we're just going to do it and it'll just Mm -hmm. be easy. But if you have these limiting beliefs that are holding you back, then that's going to prevent you from even wanting or being motivated to take the time in the first place. So in the book, I do share five different limiting perspectives. I'll give you a couple of examples of those. One is the storybook Bible perspective. So if you think about if you grew up in church in Sunday school, you probably went to church where you heard a lot of Bible stories. So for example, David and Goliath or Noah and the Ark or Adam and Eve. And that is how any of us who grew up in church were probably introduced to the Bible. It's this book with lots of stories in it. Now Mm -hmm. that's perfectly appropriate when you're younger, because that's a really great way to start learning the Bible. But as we become adults, We need to approach the Bible in a slightly different way than we did when we were seven. So if we are still approaching the Bible, as just a collection of old-fashioned stories. Well, it's no wonder we're not going to be motivated to read it. If we wanted a good story, well, we could go to the library or Barnes & Noble, or we could just scroll on our phone. And there are tons of cat videos and news stories and drama and all of this on social media. So if that's all that we're looking for, and if we think that's all that the Bible is, is a collection of stories, well, then of course, we're not going to be motivated to read it. Another one would be the personal biography perspective. So if you view the Bible as a book that's primarily about you, this happens a lot when we read the Bible with the perspective of, okay, what does this say for me? Like, what do I get out of this? What do I need to know? You know, what do I need to do? If you read it through this perspective of, okay, how do I benefit from this? Well, the Bible isn't a book that's primarily about you. It has information for you, but if you're expecting it to be this like how-to guide that gives you everything you need to know, well, it's not that. So if you're coming at it with this perspective, it can be very easy to get very frustrated and say, okay, this isn't really helpful for me. This isn't meeting my expectations. So that's why we really first have to start with, okay, what is the Bible? How can we approach it appropriately so that we have a good understanding of, okay, this is what it is. This is how we use it. This is how it helps. And not in this big overarching way of like, I'm not giving you a whole theology of the Bible, but let's just lay a few ground rules first of all. So we kind of root out some of the misconceptions and we Mm -hmm. fill in a little bit of the information that you may have missed growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good perspective. And You know, it is amazing how the messages that we got growing up, and maybe they were even unintentional messages. Like, I love what you said about the stories and not really thinking about, gosh, at some point, there's got to be a transition from the way you approach the Bible as a child to the way you approach it as an adult. But, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind is I grew up in a Christian home, a family that went to church every Sunday. Uh, We were there every time the doors were open. But I don't ever remember either one of my parents opening God's word for their life. 
I remember them opening God's word, like if they had to teach a Sunday school lesson, like to study something, but just for their life. So I had to move past that misconception that the Bible is just, you know, we're going to open it just if I have to teach a Sunday school lesson. I had to go, no, I need to open it for my own life. I need to open it for direction for my life. And I think that that is something that trips up a lot of Christian women and they don't even realize it. So the way that you grew up seeing the Bible, was the Bible presented as something that just pastors read or was it presented as something you couldn't possibly understand on your own and you had to have a Bible study to go along with it? Or the way that I grew up going to like Wednesday night church, we were taught, okay, you read the Bible and you memorize your verses so that you could get your sticker or you could get your prize out of the prize box. Mm -hmm. And that works really great when you're seven. But when you're an adult, stickers really aren't that motivating anymore. (laughs) And prize box prizes, like that's great, but I don't really need that. So we really have to change our approach as we age of we're not just reading this to get our good girl check mark or to make someone else happy or even to make God happy. Like this book that is the Bible is God's word to us that has so much information for us and can benefit us in so many ways, but we have to be in it and we have to learn how to read it for ourselves. Oh, yes. So very true. So let's just start for a moment with somebody who's really not been very familiar with the Bible. And what would be the very best way to get started reading the Bible for the first time? Like this is really new. You're not real comfortable with it. What do you think is a good first step? Well, I will tell you what a good first step would not be. And that would be to start in Genesis and just read all the way straight through. So, (laughs) I mean, we do not fault you at all. If you pick up a Bible, you don't know what you're doing, you're brand new and you're like, okay, you start on page one and you read through. That's what you would do with any other book. So totally understandable. But with the Bible, that's not always the best approach. So the first book of the Bible is Genesis. It's very interesting. It has the story of creation. And the second book is Exodus. And it's very interesting. It has a lot of great stories in there as well. But then once you get to the next three books of the Bible, it has a lot of law and things that aren't as easy to understand or apply today. So what happens to a lot of people, if you just start at the beginning and read through, you might do really great for a while, but then it's going to be pretty easy for you to just fall off track once you realize, okay, I have no idea what's going on here. This concept is a little boring if you don't understand all the things. And it's not boring, but it's just a little bit more difficult to understand. So what I would say for the person who is brand new to reading the Bible or somebody, maybe you've read it a little bit before in the past, or you've heard it at church, but you're just getting started for yourself. I would highly recommend that you start in the Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they are four separate accounts of the life and times of Jesus written from four different authors. So they are repetitive in the sense that they all cover very similar material. So don't get confused if you read Matthew and then you go to Mark and you're like, I think I read this already. Like That's okay. It's four separate accounts of the same thing. But the Gospels are some of the easiest books of the Bible to read and understand. They contain some of the most popular or relevant stories. So you're reading about Jesus and what he was like, as opposed to some like obscure passages in the New Testament. So I would definitely start there with the Gospels. After that is the book of Acts that tells the story of the early church. And that is very inspiring. I love the book of Acts. 
And then the rest of the New Testament, minus the book of Revelations, which is the last book of the Bible, are all letters from basically traveling missionaries to the churches who are telling the churches, okay, here is how you live. Here is what you do as a Christian. Here's what you don't do as a Christian. And while these were written to the churches back then, they're still very easy to read and apply to us today. So it'll tell you things like, give thanks in all those circumstances or forgive people. And while that was written to somebody else, you can still say, oh, yes, I probably should give thanks to all circumstances. So I would start there in the Gospels and Acts and the letters, the rest of the New Testament minus Revelations. Then you can go back to the Old Testament and kind of pick up. And that way you will get some of the easiest to read sections first while you're still learning. And then you can pick up some of the harder sections later once you have more of an idea of what's going on. Yes. Oh, that's such wisdom. And I love, I personally love the Gospels because I kind of love to read biographies. And I like to think of the Gospels as a biography of Jesus. And so it really tunes into, you know, just my natural drawn towards people's stories. And of course, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. So he was God on earth. And so it's a great place to start. So I'm curious, when we think about reading the Bible on a regular basis, I'm curious for you, have you always read the Bible like you do now? Or is this something that has changed? I mean, you said, you know, that as a mother, you wanted to specifically grow in this, but has that changed, you know, in recent years for you? It definitely has from the time that I was a young mom. I would say that I have read the Bible in some capacity since I was a child, just because I grew up like you at church every time the doors were open. And my mom actually did set that example of, I saw her reading the Bible on her own on a regular basis because she wanted to, not as a way to get that check mark or because you had to or anything legalistic. I saw my mom in the Bible learning and trying and doing her best to live out this Christian lifestyle. So for me, I always grew up with that being normal. And I try to do that in my own family as well. So my kids know that mom reads the Bible. They see me read the Bible all the time. Not all the time. I don't always read it when they're around, but they know like mom reads the Bible. Mom writes books to help other people read the Bible. So they kind of grow up with this being their normal. So I was always fairly comfortable with it, but it was during those years where I went to college and then I was a young mom that I just had so many other things going on. And I think most people go through this transition where you get out of the house and you're on your own and you kind of have to figure out, okay, what does this look like for me? Do I still want this faith that my parents had? Do I want to go a different route? And there definitely were several years where I was like, I don't know what direction I want to go. I don't know what this looks like. I do believe God is real, but I don't know to what extent that I want to follow this or have the time to follow this. And especially as a busy mom, I was like, I know this is important, but I didn't read the Bible as regularly as I wanted to, like I said earlier. But it has been in the last few years where I said, you know what, this is something that's important. This is something that matters. If I can find two hours a day to scroll on social media, if I can find time to watch a TV show with my husband, I can find time to get in the word. If this is something that's important to me, I am so busy and I have no intention of not being busy. And that's okay. I can still find some time, whether it's every day or on any kind of schedule, on some consistent basis, I can find that time to get in the word if it's important to me. And that's a big reason why I wrote this book too, because it doesn't have to be this whole big thing where you set aside an hour a day, but okay, what does this look like for you in this season? How can we make this doable so that if you want to spend time in the word, okay, here are the tools and the practical steps that you need to make it a reality. 
Yes, yes. So let's talk some practical, specific ways. So how can a woman who's listening to our conversation today, how can she create a Bible reading routine that she'll actually stick with? What would you say to her? Absolutely. So one of my favorite parts of the book is there's a chapter on the seven biggest obstacles that prevent Christian women from reading the Bible as often as they would like. So I did a bunch of research. I surveyed the Equipping Godly Women community and looked at my own experience to try to figure out why aren't Christian women reading the Bible like they want to. And there were these seven reasons. And a couple of them, one of them is because we are so busy. We are wives, we are moms, we work or we clean the house or whatever we do. We all have so many things to do in a day we're just busy. A second reason is that we're tired. After we do all of the things all day long, I can tell you by nine o'clock at night, I do not want to read my Bible. I am tired. I will be laying on the couch. And that's just what's going to happen. Like I make no apologies about that. There will be no Bible reading at nine o'clock. I am tired. Another one is just that we get distracted. Maybe we want to read the Bible, but we're so distracted by the dishes that need to be done or our husband comes in or our kids are insane sometimes because they're kids and we love them, but they're children. So I think the first thing is kind of figuring out where you're at right now. If you're not reading the Bible, why are you not reading the Bible? Is it that you are too busy or are you telling yourself you're too busy, but you're not really, you just don't feel motivated for another reason. Maybe it comes back to one of those five limiting beliefs that we talked about earlier, or maybe it comes back to the fact that you're too tired. So I have a ton of suggestions in the book, depending on, okay, which of these seven obstacles is the most applicable to you? Okay, here are some suggestions that you can try for this one or that one. But I will say the thing that helped me the most personally, when I had finally decided, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make this a priority Mm -hmm. was I decided that I would choose a time, like a time of day, that this is my time that I read the Bible then. And I set that time aside. And for me, I chose 8 a.m. in the morning because it was after I dropped my kids off at school. So I didn't have little ones underfoot needing 100 things at once, but it was before I had started working for the day. So I wasn't like totally distracted or like on go mode, busy or well. So the idea for me of waking up at four or five in the morning, that was not going to happen in this season. Like I had little ones. I was not waking up early. The idea of staying up to nine o'clock at night was not happening. I was tired. But for me, I knew if I could set aside 8 a.m. and that was my time and I made it a routine and I did it every every day. And for those first few weeks, I remember even taking my Bible with me and reading it in the grocery store parking lot because I had errands to run. And I was like, no, we are going to do this. And I'm going to make this a routine, (laughs) whatever it takes. And I still read my Bible in the car, probably half of the time. And that's fine. But I knew like I need to make this a routine. So that's something that I've really encouraged my community at Equipping Godly Women to do. Something that I talk about a lot in the book as well is the first thing is pick a time on the calendar, whenever it's going to work for you. It doesn't matter if it is morning, afternoon, evening. It doesn't even have to be a specific time on the clock. You could say when I eat breakfast, maybe that's 6am, maybe it's 10am, maybe it's different every day. But when I eat breakfast, that's when I read the Bible. Or in the afternoons, when my children watch Paw Patrol, you know, maybe that's at three, maybe a different date's at four. But when they do that, then I do this. And I found that having that habit or routine was kind of like a cue that made it so much easier for me. Even this morning when I sat down, I took the kids to school, I came back, I started to make my breakfast. I didn't even have to think about it because I've been doing this for a couple of years now. When I made my breakfast, 
I sat down and opened up my Bible because that's my time and that's what I do. And it just got rid of a lot of the resistance because I didn't have to do what I had done for so many years, which so many women do is they say, oh, I'll get around to it. I'll do it later. Oh yeah. In a couple of hours. I don't feel like it right now. And if you say I'll get around to it, you rarely do. So for me, just having that time saying eight o'clock or whatever time it is for you helped me so much to get into that routine. So now it's so much easier to have a regular routine in the Bible because that's my time. Yeah. And you know, it's really like having an appointment with yourself and an appointment with God. If you are a calendar person, you put that appointment on your calendar because it really does help to get you committed to that routine. I love that. I will say that I don't want to be legalistic in that. I don't still read my Bible at 8 a.m. every day. And there's no expectation for me that, oh, I missed 8 a.m. like my day is shot. There are still plenty of days, especially now that it's more of a habit and routine. Like I said, at first, I would try to be really a stickler and like create that habit. But now there are plenty of days where I say, you know, this is my plan, but my plan got messed up. That's okay. I'll still read throughout the rest of the day. It didn't completely make me into a failure or anything like that. Maybe I'll turn on an audio Bible later while I clean the house, or maybe I will read for a few minutes before I go to bed. And that's fine. So don't feel like you're a failure if you miss a day or like, oh no, I'm totally off track. Like I can't do this anymore. Well, no, that's fine. Just read it a little bit later. But if you have that time set aside, it's so much easier to follow through. It is. It is. I started doing an audio Bible while I put my makeup on. And, you know, it's just that it is. It's a routine. I do that every day, right? So why not really make my thinking to be headed in the direction of God's word? So yeah, I love that. I remember when I was a young mom, I put a Bible in every bathroom uh, out of just pure you know, it, I mean, my life was crazy. I had five children and it was nuts. And sometimes the only time I had was in the bathroom and it would just be just enough to give me my sustenance to go out and do the next hour <laughs> before the next bathroom stop. One of the things that you talk about is how life changing the Bible is. So I think maybe this might be one of those misconceptions is that people don't even think of it as being life changing. So let's talk about that a little bit. How can the Bible change women's lives today from a practical perspective? Yeah, I love that because I feel like so many women approach the Bible as this idea of, oh, I'm supposed to read the Bible. I have to get my check mark for the day. I have to cross it off my to-do list. I'm not a good Christian unless I you know, get this thing done. But that is so limiting. We don't want to approach the Bible as just a checklist. And I mean, if that's how you start, that's totally fine. We all start somewhere. But let's eventually move on from that from, okay, it's something that I do to, hey, this is something that I enjoy. Like I love my time in God's word because when I read it, it really does make a difference. So some ways that it makes a difference for me personally, there have been so many times that I have read something in the morning that it will be an encouragement to me or a reminder to me. So for example, the other day, I happened to be reading the story of Adam and Eve in the Bible. And I had a decision. There was something I was deciding that day. And As that was on my mind, and as I'm reading the Bible, and Eve is talking to the serpent, and he's telling her, you know, it's not really wrong, it's fine. And she, the Bible says that this decision looked pleasing to her, but once she took it, all manner of calamity, like the fall of mankind, it was catastrophic and terrible. She, I'm sure, had no idea when she 
took that bite of the apple, she thought, oh, maybe this isn't the best thing for me, possibly. But I'm sure she had no idea it was going to result in the entire fall of mankind forever and Jesus being crucified and pain and childbirth and all the things. She was just like, hey, this is a little choice I'm going to make. So as I'm reading that passage that day, and simultaneously, I'm thinking about this decision I need to make. As soon as I finished reading, I just had to have a conversation with God where I said, okay, this thing that I'm wanting to do, it feels and looks like it would be a good idea, but I don't know everything that's on the other side of that. Like Eve didn't know all of the consequences and I don't know all of the consequences that could come from this. So I am just going to choose to trust you to do what I know is the right thing, even if it doesn't feel or look like the right thing to me, I'm going to choose to trust your word because I know that you know so much of what could happen next that I have no idea. So that's just one example of seeing what someone else in the Bible did and how that turned out and then being able to apply it to my life and figure out what are some of those lessons that I can learn. So I don't have to learn it the hard way. I can look at her and say, okay, here's how this turned out. How do I think this is probably going to turn out in my life as well? Yeah, that's so important and so good. I remember one time I was reading and it was the story about, you know, the plank in your own eye and our, we're quick to call out what we see as the splinter. Of course, we see it as the plank in someone else's eye, but, you know, we call out their splinter when there's really a plank in our own eye. And it was very convicting of me because I had been very critical in my mind of my husband over a particular issue. And man, God used that particular scripture that day. I like to say he, he took the plank that was in my own eye and hit me over the head with it, you know, from his word in a very loving way, but one that brought about conviction that I needed. And I was able to get rid of the judgment in my heart, ask God for forgiveness, ask my husband for forgiveness, and it was restorative to our relationship. So it is a living word that applies to our life each and every day. And I love that about the Bible too, that it's not just a novel or a history book or a textbook where, okay, you read this whole list of commands. God absolutely speaks to us through his word, whether that's something that we read that day, or I love it when I have verses that I've read before, or maybe I memorized them as a child, but things that I know that are in the Bible, that when I'm in a situation where I'm faced with a decision, they will absolutely pop into my mind, whether it's just me remembering or God saying, hey, by the way, remember this biblical principle that you know, it's just a great reminder to be like, oh yeah, I know I need to make the right choice because I've read this because I know this is the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, I once read, and I wish I could remember who said it. I, I don't even remember who it was now, but they said that when you read the Bible, you increase the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit in your life. I and that. I love that. And it's so true because just like what you were talking about, you'll remember a scripture, you'll remember a verse, or the Holy Spirit will bring truth to your mind. And what a difference that makes when that truth has at least been introduced to us at some point in time through our reading of God's word. Absolutely. And we hear so many messages around us every day as we are consuming all kinds of media, whether we are scrolling on Instagram or scrolling on Facebook or we're watching movies. So we're getting these messages of the culture 
every single day, whether we realize it or not. We are being bombarded. And I don't mean this in an alarmist way at all, but we are being bombarded with messages from our culture that say women need to be this way or women need to do this thing or this is what's important or this is what matters most. And we can't, nor would we really want to completely shut out all of those messages. But when we get in the word every day, we give ourselves the opportunity to hear God's messages. And then that kind of arms us up so that we can recognize when the worldly messages, you know, maybe that's not exactly in line with what God has for me. So I need to recognize that's not a good thing. But having God's word in our lives helps us to do that. Otherwise, we would just fall prey to all the things the world tells us because we wouldn't even know or think about it. Oh, yes, absolutely. So it kind of gives us a sense of true north. And Mm -hmm. when we start to get off, then we at least have an idea of what's right and what's wrong and what direction we probably need to go in. So very true. One of the things you actually talk about is how the Bible can help us take control of negative thought patterns. And this is something that I've really been focusing on, you know, the concept of understanding kind of which comes first. I think a lot of times we think that our feelings drive our thinking, but I've come to understand it's our thinking that actually drives our feelings, which ultimately then drives our beliefs and our actions and our results. And so really you want to make changes You start with what you're thinking, which is what we were talking about earlier as well. But what can the Bible show us and why is it important for changing negative thinking patterns? This is so important because it's something that so many women deal with and they don't even realize what's going on. So if you, in your head, tend to think thoughts like, I'm not good enough, I'm too fat, no one will ever love me, my husband doesn't appreciate me, all of these kinds of things. As women, we accept these as normal. When we think them in our heads, we think, well, this is true because it's in my head. But one of the main things that I talk about in the book that I really want people to know is that just because a thought is in your head does not mean it is your thought, nor does it mean it is true. So as Christians, we have to keep in mind, we have a very real enemy who is out to distract us and deceive us and disarm us and do anything he can to prevent us from living out this Christian life that we want to live out. So God has a message for us to share with the world. He has someone he wants us to be. He has something he wants us to do for every single one of us. And of course, Satan doesn't appreciate that. So is he going to sit on the sidelines and just say, oh, you know, that stinks. She can go do the thing. No, he absolutely comes to us and he absolutely has the power to speak things into our minds that we don't even recognize perhaps might be Satan speaking to us. Now, I don't want to get all into a whole theological thing here, but even the Bible says that Satan was able to talk to Jesus with the temptation in the desert. So if Satan Mm -hmm. could go talk to Jesus, Satan absolutely can come talk to us today. And he's smart enough because he's been around long enough to know how to do that in a way that if he came to us with this like horrible voice and was like, hi, I am Satan and you are going to do this horrible thing. We would recognize it and we would say, oh, obviously I'm not going to listen to that. But he comes to us in a way that we think it's our own self and we think that these are our thoughts and we trust them because they're in our head. But when we read God's word, God's word reminds us, you know, you have a real enemy. He is prowling around like a roaring lion looking to devour you. This is a real thing that really happens. And so God's word gives us, like you said, I love that analogy. It's our true north. When God's word says that we are loved and cherished 
And then we hear these thoughts in our head that say, you know, you're nothing, you're worthless. We can say, you know, if I disagree with something that scripture says, I can trust that God's word is true and right. And if my thoughts don't line up with scripture, it's my thoughts that are wrong, not scripture. Scripture is never going to be wrong. But that's so freeing because that means I don't have to think that anymore. I can choose to not believe that anymore. I can choose to believe scripture. I can choose to declare that over my life. And I can choose to say it however many times I need to, out loud if possible, until I firmly believe to the depths of my soul that God's word is true. And this is what he says. And that's how I'm going to walk. Yes. Yes. And you know, that's a place, especially when people deal with toxic shame. You know, toxic shame is when you believe negative things about yourself. And that's a place my husband has struggled. And for years after he decided that he was going to really get serious about this, he literally carried around on his phone a list of truths about who he was in Christ, a list of truths that would refute those lies. And he needed to look at that multiple times a day. You know, so sometimes we have to be very active with that. Maybe that's sticky notes on the kitchen cabinet or on your bathroom mirror, you know, putting a list on your phone. And I was just talking with him the other day about it. And he said, you know, I hardly ever have to look at that list anymore. He said, occasionally I'll pull it out and I'll look at it if I'm having a rough day. But he said, you know, when I started, I had to look at it multiple times a day. And now I believe those things and I don't have to be reminded of them. So it's a process, isn't it, Brittany? Yes, it takes time. And it is a process that I take everybody through. When you read my book, Fall in Love with God's Word, there's a whole chapter on, okay, here's a whole long list of lies. Because so often we don't realize that we're thinking these things because they're so natural to us as women. So I find it's very helpful to have this list and you can go down and check, okay, yes, I have heard or believe or feel this way. And then the next thing is to take that to scripture. And I walk you through this in the book as well. But okay, take it to scripture. What is a scripture verse that refutes this? And this is something I've had to do in my own life as well. When I had issues and problems with my husband that were totally all because of my thinking and what was going on, I had to sit down and say, okay, what are these lies I'm believing? What are these negative thoughts that I feel powerless to control? Okay, what does God's word say is true? And let's live according to that rather than listening to the enemy who is never going to act in my best interest. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. So I love to hear people's personal stories. And I love how you've kind of shared that a little bit. But can you um, just share maybe one more story about how the Bible has changed your life personally? What a difference that it's made for you personally. Honestly, I think the biggest thing is just the way that it allows me to make good decisions on a daily basis. So Mm. I don't know that I have a huge story of, oh, I was in this terrible sin and then I read a Bible verse and now my life is totally different. Mm -hmm. That does happen. I do have a couple stories in the book where people did say, you know, I was in this life. I read this Bible verse, it completely changed everything. For me, it's really because I've grown up in church my whole life. It's really just been that reminder that as I am in God's word every day, it shows me who he is and what he expects and what he wants and what is good and what is right. And it helps me counteract all of the negative thoughts that I might think. It helps me counteract all of these messages that I might hear from all of the culture, good or bad, but it helps me to know, okay, this is 
who God is. And this is who he calls me to be. So every day that I'm reading the Bible, I can look at it and I can kind of self-assess and I could say, okay, this Bible character behaved in this way that was good or bad. Am mm. I doing the same thing? Am mm -hmm. I making good decisions or am I making bad decisions? Or in the New Testament where there's a lot more commands, I can go down the list and as it says, do this, don't do this. I can look and I can say, am I doing this? Am I not doing this? One that I love is 1 Corinthians 13 is kind of the famous love chapter, love chapter where it says love is patient, love is kind. One great exercise that you can do is all of the times where it says love, substitute that with your own name. So you read it through and it'll say, Jill is patient, Jill is kind. And as you read through that, does that describe you? Mm -hmm. Does that feel like, yeah, I am patient. Yeah, I am kind. Or are you like, mm, I don't really know about that. And you could read it through the opposite as well. Like Jill loses her temper easily or Jill, you know, whatever. And hmm, mm -hmm. maybe is that a better fit? So just being able to put yourself in the story and see how do I measure up to the standard of God's word? We all have room for improvement. So there is no judgment or guilt or shame here. We all are work in process, myself, most definitely included. But the more that we are in God's word, the more that it transforms us from the inside out as we learn who God is and who we are to be in him. I love that. Oh, this has been good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I'm thinking about your group, equippinggodlywomen.com. Tell us about that. What can women, if they go to your website, what do they find there? I mean, obviously you have your book and we'll put a link in the show notes for somebody that's interested in your book, but what other resources do you offer? Thank you for asking. Equipping Godly Women as a whole is basically a website designed to help Christian women be all in in faith and family. So if you are somebody who says, you know, I am a Christian, I probably go to church at least most of the time, you know, maybe I read my Bible sometimes, but I know that I'm not making my faith the priority that I really want to be then my website is basically there to help you to do that. So I have a ton of articles on all kinds of things that are very helpful. I have a 21-day Bible reading challenge that might be very helpful for anyone, especially listening to this podcast. So if you're someone who's saying, okay, I want to read God's word more, how do I do that? I find that challenges are just a fun way to kind of challenge yourself. Okay, let's do this 21 days. And you can get to that just by visiting equippinggodlywomen.com and scroll down to the bottom and it's right there. I also have a membership site for anybody who just wants to go through this in community. So you say, okay, I want to be this strong Christian, but that's not always easy to do if the people around you aren't also really striving to be strong, amazing Christian women. So it's this community where you can get in and you can ask questions and just be around other women and we do monthly training calls and all of that. So we have a ton of resources, a ton of free offers as well for anybody who just says, you know, I want to make this more of a priority in my life. I don't know where to get started, but I need that encouragement. I need that voice who's going to come alongside me and challenge me and encourage me and kind of lead the path and say, okay, here's like, here's what we're working on today. Let's work on this. So you can find all of that at equippinggodlywomen.com. Or if you are interested in the book specifically, there is information all about the book at fallinlovewithgodsword.com. Oh, I love that. Very cool. Well, Brittany Ann, would you be willing to pray for our audience today, um, especially those women that they want to jumpstart their spiritual life? They've either gotten out of the habit or they never have been in the habit and they never understood the need to do that. But would you pray for them today? Absolutely. Dear God, thank you so much for all of the women who, and men, who may be listening to mm -hmm. today's podcast episode. 
if they made it to this point in the show, it is clear that they are interested and there is something here that they want to know more about. So God, I would just ask that you please remove any temptations and distractions and put a hedge of protection around them so that as they are starting to follow this path, that they would be able to continue on this path and that they wouldn't get distracted, that the enemy wouldn't be able to lie to them and tell them that you can't do this or this is too hard or this isn't for you. God, I ask that you would ignite a fire in them, that you would help them to fall in love with God's word and please help them find the resources and encouragement and community that they need to be able to fall more in love with you and your word. Thank you so much for our time today and for everybody who's listening. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.